I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Last week, last week we started a little series. We were talking about do not stop fellowshipping with demons. Don't fellowship with demons. They're, they're nasty. Leave them alone. Tonight we want to talk about protecting your head, protecting your mind. We want to talk about protecting your mind tonight. We're going to talk about the mind and the, the war that takes place between your ears. Anybody here ever have a war between your ears? Like just the days that end in Y. You're familiar with Ephesians chapter 6. This is the passage that, that talks probably foremost in the scriptures about what we call spiritual warfare, a battle in the spirit realm. We talked last week. There is a spirit realm around us. You, you may be aware of it or you may not, but there is a spirit realm around us and it's got influence on us. We saw last week all through the scriptures how it influenced us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this. Ephesians 6, 12. We do not wrestle or struggle or war against flesh and blood. What's flesh and blood? People. People, including myself. But we battle against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts, put the word beings, where it says spiritual hosts, just spiritual beings of wickedness in the heavenly places. And that heavenly places, don't be deceived. That's not, up, that's not what we would call up there in heaven. It simply means the spirit world around us. There are three words for heavenly in the Bible. One is the God's heaven. The other is the atmosphere. And this is the third one. Simply means the atmosphere around us. So there's a spirit world around us. There are, can you see that there are beings in that spirit world? clearly in scripture and we and the, we struggle we struggle with them i don't want you to notice one verse in this passage uh, besides that verse 17 says this and take the helmet of salvation that, now this is not the word salvation as in i got saved in 1975 that doesn't mean to be, get saved and go to heaven this is the word deliverance take, or the helmet of deliverance or the helmet of protection tell me what a helmet does it protects your head so the Bible tells me in Ephesians 6, 12, I'm in a battle with a spirit realm around me and it tells me to cover my head with a helmet called deliverance. Can you see obviously what the scripture is saying here? You have to protect your mind. You have to protect your mind because of the battle. That tells us also sort of where it takes place there. There's a spiritual battle. You're assaulted from the spiritual realm. Why does it say protect your mind? Because your mind is ground zero. The mind is ground zero for spiritual warfare. The battle takes place in the mind. It was, it's, not, there's not a, it's not a spirit of flat tire. That was a nail. The great battle we face is right here between our ears. This is where, the, this is where all the junk starts right here. Nobody ever goofed up anything until they thought it first. And so the Bible tells us to take the helmet of salvation. My, uh, Joyce Meyer, that tremendous book, Battlefield of the Mind. So I've read that. Listen to me. You need to read it every year. You need to hear something about protecting your mind on a regular basis because this is a never-ending battle and we need to be reminded over and over of what to do. All righty. Is it a big deal? This affects the quality of your life. This mental battle that takes place, it affects your life. And uh, let, me, let me go on. To, I'm just going to get ugly for a second here. It affects your witness. I am the depressed, mad, discouraged, defeated light of the world. I am the dark light of the world. Look over here. You want some of this? <laughs> when I'm getting my brains beat out and the enemy's playing racquetball with my head and I'm miserable and defeated, that's a great witness. Everybody wants that. There was, <laughs> you are the light of the world. Let your light so whine. 
shine. Believers ought to glow in the dark. All right. Well, then, but the, listen, I, people are getting killed in this stuff and that people don't even know what's going on. Why am I like this? I, I, didn't, I didn't have it this rough before I started following Jesus. You wasn't messing with the ugly one before you started following Jesus. Y'all was riding on the same train. It's a big difference now. All right, life is determined. Listen, life is determined in the mind. It's determined in the mind. I want you to look in scripture with me about that. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 20. Well, turn to Proverbs 12 first. Proverbs chapter 12. Your life is what it is because of what goes on in your mind. Stuff begins in there. Now you can be born again, have a born again heart. You can be spirit filled and your head be so messed up that your life's a train wreck because of the battle that takes place. We're going to look at some Proverbs about this to help us understand the mind and how the mind relates to the heart. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says this. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Can you see two places I can live right there? One is depressed. The other is glad. What makes people depressed? Anxiety. Anxiety, that's a worried mind, brings people into a state of depression. What brings people into a, pla- a place of gladness? What does it say? Good word. A good word's what brings us there. And uh, listen, you, you can be either one of them depending on what's going on. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 23, 7. A simple truth, very simple truth that sort of dictates where life comes from. Proverbs 23, 7, perhaps you've heard this before. As he what? Thinks. Where do you do your thinking at? As a man thinks, then he gets in his heart, and then so is he. What dictates your life? Where does all the, where does, where do the life issues start with? They start with your thinking. They start in your mind, and then they get into your heart, and we'll show you how it transfers, and then that's how you live. But where does it all begin? Thinking. It begins in the thought life. Let me, I'm going to show you this in the Sermon on the Mount. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus said, your entire life is dictated by what you think about. Your life is dictated by what you think about. Listen, your life is not dictated by your circumstances. I know people going through terrible circumstances, but they know how to cover their minds and they know how to do battle and their lives are wonderful. I know people who've got great circumstances and their life's a train wreck because there's a war going on and they're losing it between their ears. Now, Matthew 6 is where Jesus teaches us that your life is dictated by the way you think. All right, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, read this with me. The lamp, Matthew 6, 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Verse 23, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, you may not know what all that means, but how's that sound to you? Your whole body is full of darkness. How does my life get full of darkness? My eye, my eye being in the wrong place. How does my whole body, how's my life full of light? Getting my eye in the right, you know, you know, he's not talking about this thing right here. What does I mean? What you focus on. Let's put it this way. What you think about. What you focus your mind on dictates your life. And if your focus is right, if you can control your thinking and think right, your whole life will be full of light. But if your thinking is wrong, you're going to be full of darkness. 
So the, Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount here that my life is either full of light and, and glory and kingdom life because of what I focus on, what I think about, or my life is just pathetic because of what I think about. See how important thinking is? Have y'all ever tried it? <laughs> my daddy used to talk like that. All righty. Why does the enemy make the mind ground zero? I mean, why is the battle against the mind? Why does he shoot everything toward the mind? All right, here's the revelation that from Scripture, the undisciplined mind is going to suffer and be jerked around. The disciplined mind is going to prosper. What's another word for disciplined mind? The mind that will put on that helmet, get that head covered and take care of it. And uh, that's why the enemy assaults the mind and works in the mind. And let me tell you something. I don't know if you knew this or not. The enemy can get between your ears and you not know it. That rascal of, of, you know, the Bible doesn't really talk about our enemy being powerful much. It talks about him being cunning. Cunning is the exact word used in Genesis. It talks about him being sneaky and subtle and getting in there. And let me tell you what, let me tell you how, let me tell you what he'll do. He'll lie to you. He'll tell you, let me tell you what he'll do you. Let me tell you what he'll do. He'll tell you, those are your thoughts. He's lying. And, and he'll, yeah, it's sort of like you'll say, I wonder if that's the devil. He'll say, I'm not in here. <laughs> it, he is so subtle to get in our heads with, and we have seen in Ephesians 6, they're called fiery darts of the wicked one, thoughts that he can bring into our heads. And then they just create havoc inside of them. And that's why you got to have your hat on, your helmet on. All right, let me just take a minute. I find that most believers, they don't even know what normal is. Let me show you in scripture what the normal mind should be. Now, a born again believer's mind should be different from a lost person's mind. I told this fellow once, I said, we went to church and everybody was sad and depressed and at the saloon, they're dancing and hollering. We got eternal life. They're one heartbeat from hell. What's wrong with this picture? We ought to be the ones hollering and dancing. Never mind. All right, but here's the deal. Here, what is normal? If you don't know what normal is, you'll, you'll think that You'll think your Abbey normal is normal. No, Scripture shows us what a normal believer's mind should be. Now, you may not be able to buy all this, but I just want you to see it in Scripture and say, then take me there. That's where I want to be. All right, number, there's three words that show normal mind. Number one is peace. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, God makes a great promise here for you and I. And even if you say, man, I just, I don't know how to do that. Would you at least believe it's in his word and say, show me how. Isaiah 26, verse three. Isaiah 26, three, watch this. You will keep him in perfect peace. How many of you would like to live in perfect peace? What's the rest of that verse say? Whose mind is fixed somewhere. Can you see that you can live in perfect peace if you get your mind in the right place? Keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Here's the promise of the Spirit-filled life, life in the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Look at this. Verse 6 says this. Romans 8, 6. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spirit-minded is life and peace. All right, let me read it to you from another version. The mind set on the flesh or focused on the flesh is death. But the mind focused on the spirit is life and peace. 
Listen, believer, peace should be the normal believer's life. You're, that's the normal mindset for believers to be at peace. Now, let me give you three words that define what peace is. Number one, absolutely worry-free. I can't get an amen out of that in this worrying day we're living in. You say, Brother Brian, nobody can live worry-free. Don't call God a liar. Don't tell me the Bible's not true. Why did the Bible say, be worried for nothing? Philippians 4, 6. You know what it means to have your mind in perfect peace? That means you're not worried about anything. Uh, you, listen, you say, I, I don't understand this. Well, just read it and believe it. Start with. I'm just showing what normal is. Number, number one, worry-free. Number two, fear-free. Absolutely free of fear. Wouldn't that be great? Listen to what the Bible said, 2 Timothy 1, 7. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A mind that is not sound is scared to death. And it's scared of the future. It's scared of the junk. It's scared of what will happen to the kids. It's scared of what people think about me. That's not a mind set on the spirit. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And it's a, it's a worry-free mind and a fear-free mind. And the third is, it's a mind free from condemnation. I mean, you're just not condemned. You're beat up by anything. We're in Romans chapter 8. Read verse number 1. There is what? How much condemnation? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. A lot of people stop right there. That's not the whole verse. Who walk according to the Spirit, not according to flesh. So can you see clearly that there's a place? Number one, the normal mind is to be a life of peace. The mind should be at peace. Just go on to sleep, you'll be fine. I remember I had a dear friend of mine. His grandpa started a trucking company years ago in High Point. And him, his grandpa had retired and still worked there some. And, and uh, his dad, and he ran the thing. And just wonderful guys. And uh, he told me, he said, you know, daddy, grandpa was going fishing at the coast. And we had a fire broke out and it burnt the whole thing down. And I think they had about 100 trucks that burnt the warehouse down, burnt the offices down, were connected, burnt several million dollars worth of furniture up that were sitting on the docks waiting to be shipped. And he said, I, I dreaded calling him, but said my grandpa was a godly man and he practiced this stuff. Said so I called him. And, uh, and I'm reason I tell you, he said, Grandpa's favorite verse was Isaiah 26 3. And he said, I called him and said, Grandpa, we had a fire tonight. He said, We've lost everything. And he said, well, son, was anybody hurt? He said, no, thank God nobody got hurt. And he said, well, said, son, we can always start over. He said, the fish are biting good. I believe I'll just stay for a few more days. He said, unless you need me, I'm going to stay till they quit biting. When I come back, we'll start over and build the thing and build a bigger one. How's that sound, son? You know what that is? That's a man who's at peace. That's a man whose mind is stayed on him who is in perfect peace. You can live there. Jesus died for you to live there. Jesus was crucified for your salvation, but he was whipped at the whipping post for your peace. The chastisement for our peace was on him. Now, between me and you, I like being at peace. I don't like being worried. I tried it back in, I think it was 92. <laughs> Number one, peace. Number two, now that you may struggle with this one, normal believing life should be joy and gladness. Okay, six of us think that's right. <clears throat> I'm not going to turn to it. You just have to take my words in there. Look it up if you want to. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with... How am I supposed to live serving the Lord? Gladness. Then you say, well, no, nobody can be happy like, you know, glad like all the time. <clears throat> What's Philippians 4 verse 4 say? Rejoice in the Lord always. In case you didn't get it, again I say, 
rejoice. There's, if our minds were right, and I'm not saying we don't go through times, I'm not saying we don't weep over things, but this depression that's laying on our land, it is not the believer's normal mindset. There should be a gladness in that. Listen, the fact that I'm not going to burn in hell, I ought to be delirious every day of my life. I just, and as old as I am, I was fixing to get there, Bubba. Praise God for his goodness and grace. This is normal. And then the third one, of course, is hope and expectation. Hope and expectation. Uh, I don't care if everybody is so depressed over what the future looks like. Your future is not tied up in what's going on around you. It's tied up in who owns you and that word right there. And may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you just expect good things to happen. And uh, that's the, that's how, that should be normal mind for believers. We're at peace. There's a gladness and a, a joy in there and we're full of hope. All righty. You need to understand the connection between your mind and your heart and how this thing right here changes this thing right here. Let's look back in uh, Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. This shows us how we were created on the inside. Proverbs chapter 12 shows me something here. Now God created you. I need to do a little background here. You're, a, you're, what the, you're what we call a trichotomy, according to the Bible. You're made up of three parts. Now, modern psychology says you're a dichotomy. You got two parts. You got a soul and you got a body. But the scripture says you got three parts. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be found blameless in the day of Jesus Christ. I have a body and that's what I live in. I contact the physical world with my body. But inside this body is something called a soul. Now, many, many people confuse the soul with the spirit. The soul is my personality. It's made up of my intellect, emotions, and will. But deep inside of me is something called a spirit. I have a spirit. And when I was born, my spirit was born dead. When I was born again, my spirit came alive. Christ Jesus, his spirit touched my spirit. And it came inside of me. The Bible said, you were, verse Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and, spirits, trespasses and sins, but he made you alive in Christ. Now I was born with a body. Here it is. It's grown. <laughs> Lady told my mother, I believe you put on some weight, hadn't you? I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Only weighed seven pounds when I was born. I put on a lot of weight since then. <laughs> But I, got a, I had a body when I was born. When I was born, I had a soul inside of me. That was my, my mind, intellect, my mind, my emotions, and my will. Some people call it a personality. I had a spirit, but it was dead. When I was born again in 1975, my spirit came alive inside of me because Jesus moved inside of it. Now, dear ones, this mind affects my soul and spirit. And let's see how this works right here. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says this, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Proverbs 12, 25. I mess y'all up. Proverbs 12, 25. But a good word makes it glad. All right. Anxiety in the heart of man. How does anxiety get into the heart of a person and cause depression? How does it get down into here? You know, the heart's down here. The heart's referring to my, either my soul, my emotions, or my true spirit man. And how do, how do people, it can't, the Bible called it, I would have lost heart unless I had believed how does, how does a person's heart, soul get depressed? Anxiety gets down in there. How does it get in there? The mind is the gateway to the soul. The mind is how you get things down into your spirit and your soul. If you want to get the truth of God down in your spirit, it's got to come through your mind. 
If you want to get, get hope down inside your emotions, it's got to come through. Everything comes through your mind. Now, how, what do we call this when, we, when, I, when I take something and I want to get it down into my spirit? What do we call that? That's called meditation. Meditation is how you take something and get it down inside your soul or down inside your heart. And uh, let me tell you what meditation is. Meditation is to focus on, it's not just a passing thought. It's to dwell on something mentally. Think on it mentally. Focus on it mentally until, until it filters down into my soul and it fills my spirit. That's why the Bible talks about meditating in his word day and night. All right, for instance, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. I got a problem with my family or something, maybe a child or something, and I just dwell on that problem. And I'm, I'm worried about that child, and I'm worried about that child, and I, and I just think about it. I go to bed, I lay in the bed and think about it at night. I think about it at work. I, I'm just dwelling on it all the time. Guess what's happening down here? That stuff's getting down in my soul. It's getting down in my spirit. And then all of a sudden I noticed that there's a heaviness about me and there's a depression about me. My mind was the gateway into my heart. That's why it says anxiety gets down in the heart of man and causes depression. And there's this work, this works both ways. Um, negative thoughts in my mind are what get down into my heart and create my problems. All right, let's take a couple of examples. And I mentioned, say like you have a... Uh, uh, you know, a wayward child and you just, and people struggle with that, understand it. And they just dwell on it and dwell on it. Uh, a myriad of problems. For instance, I know people that just, uh, they really screwed up back there and they made big mistakes. They messed up and, and they just can't get over it. And they think about their mistakes and, and it just drags them down. Now, listen, what did the Bible say? We're in a wrestling match with principalities and powers of darkness show you how cruel the enemy is. You've got a child, a wayward child, you're in trouble. He'll get inside that head and he'll pick at you about that thing and he'll cause you to think about it. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And what if? He'll get in there and start what if and inside your head and you get to dwelling on it and all of a sudden your heart just gets filled with all that anxiety or it's actually fears what it is. Or, you know, the enemy of, of your soul will get inside your head. About the time you get to doing good and you're going to church and things are going better, and he'll remind you of your past failures. Thought, thoughts. Listen, he has got, he's got DVDs every screw up you ever made. And that, that janky thing, he'll pull them out and play them for you at the worst time. You ever noticed how that at the most inopportune times and thoughts come up? Guess why that is? And you get to dwelling on that thing and all of a sudden it, it just knocks the confidence out from underneath you. Now let's reverse the curse here. Let's say I do have a child. Now listen, I get to choose my thinking. Let's say I do have a child who's in trouble. I got to make a decision. Am I going to dwell on the problem or am I going to meditate on the promises? And listen, it's easy to meditate on the problems. Praise God, I'm going to bow my spine. You know what bow my spine means, don't you? Man, up, redneck up, whatever you want to call it. Discipline your mind. You can call us, let's get up at You're going to discipline. I say, no, no, no. I'm going to meditate on what God's got to say about this thing. And I praise God and thank him for his goodness and grace. All my children are going to be taught by the Lord. And if God has a hundred sheep and he loses one, bless God, he's going to go after that one until he finds it. And when he finds it, he's going to lay it on his shoulders rejoicing. And you start meditating on the truth of God's word. Guess what happens there as you're meditating on that? What's that doing? That gets down in your heart too. And all of a sudden, peace comes over you about that thing. And strength comes inside of you. Now, we, <laughs> I'm an expert at this because i got such a bad past. And, uh, you know, the enemy loves to remind you of your past. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Get up between your head. Get there at the worst time. 
And you know what I've learned? I'm not going to meditate on my past. I'm going to meditate on the cross. Praise God. That's right. Everything you said, truth. That man, glory to God. The blood of Jesus washed all my sins away and he forgave me and loved me, took me just like I was even after a hundred. Praise God. Thank you for bringing this back up. I'd forgot how great the cross was. And while we're at it, since you want to talk about my past, let's talk about your future. Let me turn the book of Revelation here and find you something. <laughs> Dear ones, as a man thinketh, so is he. And I control the whole, this is my control tower right here. And this is the way, this is the way stuff gets down in our heart is called meditation. It's when you mentally focus on something and you just chew on it. We do this all the time. We just don't meditate right. Quit meditating the problem, start meditating the problems. You ever pulled up beside somebody in traffic and they looked over with nobody sitting in the car and they're going. <laughs> and ain't nobody in there. You know what they're doing? They're meditating. And it ain't right. They're chewing, they're chewing on something that happened to them and they're giving somebody what for and they're just going round and round the past. You ever heard this? The more I thought about it, the matter I got. Let me tell it. Let me, you want to hear it from the Bible? The more that demon fed you, the worse it got. God, this is some of the best preaching. This is so good. That's what happens inside of our heads. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. See about this right here. See about this right here. I'm over country or what? See about this right here. Focus your attention on scripture here. All right. Everybody's going to, you're going to put your attention somewhere. Proverbs 420 says this, my son, give attention to what? Your past, the mess around you, Washington, D.C. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. What's that mean right there? That's, that's, you're thinking about it. You got to get it in your eyes. You're attending to it, paying attention. Watch what happens. It, you get them in your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. How did I get the promises of God down in my heart? I got my eyes on them and I meditated on them and I got them down inside my heart. What happens if I do that? Verse 22, they are life to those who find them and healing so if, I, if my focus is on the promise and the truth and the goodness of the Lord, and that's what I chew on and think about, that's going to get down in my heart and that's going to bring life inside my whole being and, and brings healing to the Christ. You'd be surprised that the people would be healed of this junk from their past if they just start meditating the promises of God. I'm telling you, that book is alive. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive. Listen to this. It's sharper than a two-edged sword going between the division of the soul and the spirit. You meditate on this book, it'll get bound through your soul, which is your intellect. It'll get down into your spirit and cause something to happen. That's why they said of Jesus, your words are life. They, were hold, they held to him like that. Can I ask you a question? Why would people that weren't even Christians sit and for three days without eating and listen to that man? Because his words were so alive to their heart. Well, let me tell you something. You said, well, I wish I could get and sit and listen to him. The same Holy Spirit that was speaking through Jesus lives inside of you. Pick that book up and let him talk to you. Let him get those words down inside of you and bring life to it like that. All righty. Now, what are people attending to today? You know, Proverbs 4.20 says, attend to my words. What are people attending to today? What are people meditating on today? What are you meditating on today? Listen to me, dear ones. This is where our enemy's subtle activity comes in. We, we don't even know he's there and he's helping us think. 
and he's taking our, you know what he says when he gets in your head? You know what he says? Going down. And he'll drag your thought life into the mud, into the past, into the garbage. Into the, I've had people just say, I'm so ashamed of these thoughts, I think. How do you know they're yours? I didn't think we were wrestling with flesh and blood. How do you know you don't have a hotline to hell plugged in there causing that mess? You gotta start taking this enemy serious. Get inside your head and start all this garbage in there. And uh, I mean, I could go through an extensive list from lust to hatred to self-pity to, to, I mean, you name it. You name, everything hell belches out. And he has the ability to subtly get in our head and we don't even know he's there. Just subtly get inside of there and work in our heads. Like, that's why the Bible calls them in Ephesians 6. Again, they're called the fiery darts. That's why we take the shield of, this is the shield of faith. And guess what it does? It puts out those fiery darts. It quenches them. All right. What does a disciplined mind meditate on? I don't want you to look with me. The key verse on meditation in the Bible is in Philippians chapter four. And I want you to mark this verse, write it down. Memorize, you need to memorize this verse. All right. I, think, I may have told you this before, but I'm so old I can repeat myself. Our little girl, our oldest daughter, she's just a little girl, started riding a tricycle. Maybe it was a bicycle with training wheels. And we lived in, some, lived in a horrible place that, that that time years ago. For just for two years, lived in a place called a neighborhood. It was terrible. It's where houses are close together. It's where you have to go inside to pee. You can't do it in the yard out there because the neighbors are all over out there. And we had a paved driveway and it ran from the house down through a little patch of woods and out to the road. So I'm teaching how to ride a bicycle. We all training wheels. I've got what we're doing pretty good at and up and down the driveway there. And I took her down the end of the driveway and about 15, 20 foot back. I took a big piece of that sidewalk chalk and I drew a line. I said, you see that line right there? I said, you cross that line, I'm gonna spank your bottom. This was back in the ancient days before social services got on people like, I said, I'm gonna spank your bottom. I said, do you hear me? If you cross that line, I'm gonna spank your bottom. I said, do you hear me? Tell me what I said. I said, well, tell me what I said. Now, you know why I drew that line? Because I'm a hateful old ogre. I can't stand the thought of her getting out and having fun. I just want to have a little bit of fun right there. That's all the only fun you can have right there. Have a little, you ain't going to have much fun because I'm going to be working. I don't want you to have much fun. Tell me why I drew that line. There's death on the other side of that line. Demon-possessed teenagers with cell phones are driving cars on the other side of that line. And that line was the parameter, do not go over here, you get hurt. You get understand what I'm saying here? Don't go over here, you get hurt. There's your line right there. And we had a great time. She stayed within the line, everything was fine. What happened if she'd have got across that line? She got killed. Was that a line of love or was that a line of meanness? When my heavenly father says, thou shalt not, I know his heart, it's a line of love. He's not taking anything from me. He's trying to save my hide and yours too. All right. Do you realize that Almighty God in this verse, He takes me and you and He says, You see that line right there? See that line right there? Don't let your mind go over that line right there. And He doesn't do it because He's trying to rip me off. He does it because He wants me to be at peace and live a joyous life and be glad. And He says, You go across that line, you get in trouble. All right, here's the line Philippians 4, verse 8. Everybody's got to get this right here. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous or praiseworthy, meditate on these things right here. Why is that in the Bible? Why would he tell me? Ain't nobody going to tell me how to think. Hey, it's your head, doc. Go ahead. It's your head. Stick it out there. <laughs> Why would he tell me to think within this eight 
frame parameter right here. I'm having to know the great truth. The Lord is good. Everything he does is good. And if he tells me to do something, he's not restricting me. He's saving my hide. And he tells me, he said, son, this, this mind right here, don't ever let it go outside of these eight parameters right here. Everybody needs to memorize this. Are we thinking in that parameter right there in our land today? Oh my goodness. All right, listen, I, I, this was a blessing to me years ago. I've memorized it. Matter of fact, it's my card for the day. We'll talk about cards in a little bit. There's my card for the day. But I want you to look at what the, let's just think about this. I am not allowed, and just, think, just think, don't know if you can do it or not, just think with me for a minute here. I'm gonna watch every thought that comes into my mind and I am not allowed to think about anything unless it's true. By the way, facts are not truth. This is truth right here. I'm going to change some words here a little bit. Number two, inspiring. I'm not going to think about anything that discourages me. If it don't inspire me, I'm not going to think about it. Number three, honorable. I'm not going to think about garbage. I want to think honorable. Number four, is it pure? If it ain't pure, I ain't thinking about it. I love number five. Is it beautiful? Do you know how many people are in mental institutions today because they couldn't find anything beautiful to think about? Our minds were not designed to think on the hellish. Our minds were designed by God to think on the beautiful. That's why the Bible says, don't think on anything unless it's beautiful. You say, there ain't nothing beautiful to think about today. I might have to do more and get your thinking straight. I might have to deliver you. All right, watch this one right here. Number six, good report. Y'all know what a good report is? It's a good report card. That's not a good report. How many of you think on a good report? Well, I got to tell you what it is first. Do you remember in Numbers 13 when the children of Israel were at the promised land and God said, send 12 spies in there and you tell them to go in there and see how good it is. And then you tell them, y'all come back out and tell them how good it is. And so they sent 12 in, they came back out and 10 of them, the Bible said 10 gave the children of Israel a bad report. They said, oh, it's the most beautiful place. It flows with milk and honey. We brought a cluster of grapes and it took two men to carry it out. It's the most beautiful place we've ever seen. But, but, there's giants in there and they'll whoop us and we can't go in there. We're not able. God didn't tell them to ask where they're going. He'd already told them I've given it to you. I just want you to go tell them how nice it is. They gave a bad report. In other words, a discouraging, faithless report. Caleb and Joshua were two of them and they jumped up, tore their clothes and said, don't listen to them, hogwash. Said, yeah, there's giants in there, but God's going to whoop them for us and God's given us this land and that's our home and God's going to give it to us. Come on, y'all. Some loose translation. Come on, y'all, let's go. What's that called? That's a good report. A good report means somebody speaks in faith. Listen, why would I sit around and think about this family ain't gonna never make it. There ain't no way we can make it. I'm not gonna make it. I'm getting old and I'm creaking and I'm creaking from both creek. What's another word for bad report? Negative garbage. What's a good report? Faith-filled truth. Ones, I'm not going to think on anything unless it's a good report. Number six says this. Is it encouraging? You know, encouraging is a good report. Number seven, is it excellent? How many of you think we have excellence in Washington, D.C. today? <laughs> then why do you stare at it and talk about it? You, you can focus on the excellent. And then I love the eighth one. It says praiseworthy. What, what's our word for praiseworthy? Well, if it makes you want to praise, isn't that exciting? Could you imagine if for one day I said to my mind, you're not allowed to think on anything unless it's true, unless it's beautiful, unless it's inspiring, unless it's encouraging, unless it's pure, unless it makes you want to shout, unless it does that to you. What if you disciplined your mind to do what the Bible said right there? Guess what would happen to you? 
Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Who's my, you say, I just, nobody can do that. You're telling me God's lying. Why is this in here? You know what? I, first, I've had many people say to me, Brother Brian, Brother Brian, they fixing to get my shoes puked on. And they'll say, nobody can do that. I found it as a great blessing when I read it. When I read that, I said, do you mean I don't have to think about all this junk? I can think like this. Guess what happens inside of your heart when you think like this? That's where you glow in the dark. That's where good things happen like that. All right, this is where the scripture talks about, a, this, is, this is called a disciplined mind. I'm going to show you in 1 Peter in a little bit where it says, gird up the loins of your mind. You know what that means? Get your mind disciplined. Don't let it run around like a stray dog. Now, we live out in a country where a dog in a fence is a funny sight. I mean, dogs just run. You feed them every few days. If you got something left over from the table, we don't, we don't do them inward uppity dogs. And uh, a couple years ago, my neighbor called, and the, the dog had got over in the, another neighbor's cow pasture, and he was running cows. That is a killing offense in the country. Because that dog breaks a cow's leg, and now I'm out $3,000, and that dog... <laughs> He might be an $8 dog. He ain't worth that. All right, so the dog's going where he shouldn't go. I talked to him. It didn't help. So I put him in the yard, got one of them electronic collar things where if he goes outside the parameter, it shocks him. We know the direction said start low and raise it up. I said, jack it up on how to start with. He'll figure it out. He'll <laughs> get it done. So put him out there and he's got a parameter he can stay in. And that keeps him from going out there and getting in trouble and doing stuff. Besides, he'd go out there and the cows would crap on him and then he'd come back to the house. That's, that ain't fun either. So he'd get in a mess. So now we got him contained in this parameter. He can't get out of there. That's exactly what Philippians 4.8 is. I wish I had a shock collar I could put on people. And when they get to thinking garbage, it'd go, mank. <laughs> Tell me, you had no business going over there with your mind. Get your thinking right. Well, really, what I'd just like to do is have the button in my hand. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you something the Lord's taught me from Scripture. There's a religious spirit. It's a Pharisee spirit that people think is God, and it's not. And it's an unholy spirit, and it will justify believers being focused on evil. They'll talk about how rotten it is in the nation. They'll talk about how people turning away from God how young people are acting so bad today. That is nothing holy about that kind of thinking right there. That's a Pharisee spirit. It's a demon spirit. And you get, listen, I don't see anything true, beautiful, encouraging, praiseworthy, uplifting, honorable in that. I'm preaching better than y'all amen. And I don't see nothing good about that. Don't you let that religious spirit get on you where you're, gonna, you're just going to think about how rotten everything is. And then you, whatever you do, keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear it. This is some... Yeah. <laughs> Listen to what I'm fixing to say. The God who wrote Philippians 4, 8 and told you don't ever think outside of this would never lead you to think outside of those eight things. I don't care if you think it's spiritual or not. If it's discouraging, critical, negative, brings up your past after he said he's forgotten it, you tell it to go back to hell where it came. You're in a battle right then. You, you should be able to identify if it doesn't fall within this. These are not holy thoughts. These are unholy thoughts. You got to identify the enemy. How many of you believe that the enemy will come to you dressed up like God? Yeah. Let's look at it. Second Corinthians. Turn me to Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. 
uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He'll get in your head and pretend to be God. You say, why would he do that? He's a liar. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says this. No wonder Satan himself transforms. This is 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Satan himself transforms himself into what? He'll come to you pretending to be of the Holy Spirit. He'll come to you pretending to be God, an angel of light. And then he goes on even worse than that. It's no great thing, verse 15, if his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. But verse 14 tells you and I that the enemy will get inside of your head and you'll think it's God telling you to do something. Let me tell you something. Any thought that comes into my mind that is contrary to what that book says, that's from hell. I don't care if it claims to be the Holy Spirit. It's not. The Holy Spirit of God will never transgress that book. He'll always be in line with the word right there. That's why you, you get the parameter from his word to help you with that right there. All right. The, our thoughts control our lives. Now, dear ones, why is this such a battle? How many have ever noticed it's sort of a battle to think up, pure, beautiful, encouraging? How many have ever wanted to and found out it was like you stuck in quicksand mentally? Why is it such a battle? Because there is a battle. You got something battling. There's times I knew, what am I thinking about right here? But it was like something was just mashing me down in the head. There's a real battle going on with this stuff. That's why you have to battle that thing. I'm going to give you some helps. Uh, let me give you some helps to overcome. Number one, after you see what the scripture says, decide to discipline your mind for life. So, okay, I'm going to start doing this. I didn't, I didn't, there was most people just let their minds wander like a stray dog. They just go wherever. They'll just, you know, I just, what are you thinking about? I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Don't let your mind run like a stray dog. Tell it where you want it to go. Tell you where it needs to be. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I quoted it to you earlier. Let's see that. 1 Peter 1. My daddy said, boy, get your head right. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says this. Therefore, Gird up the loins of your mind. What's another way of saying that? Discipline your mind. Bring your mind into subjection. Tell it what you want it to do and line it up. Now, how do I discipline my mind? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Put it on a card like I got it right there. That is the part. Tell your mind, you're not going to think of anything outside of that right there. And when you catch yourself out somewhere, say, I right, get back over here. Matter of fact, my dog, I just thought about this. I was out there putting the, something up, feeding the chicken and the dog's collar battery died today and he was rambling off somewhere. He said, hey, come back over here. You tell your mind, get back over where you belong. That's what it means to gird up the lawns of your mind. You, don't you let it tell you what it's going to think about. You tell it what to think about. Now, dear ones, all right, listen to me. To be free, you, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. Would you agree with that? That's not original with me. I, I read that. Jesus said that. But you must know the truth to have the freedom. If I didn't know, if, if, I didn't, if I didn't know that I'm supposed to think in thoughts that are pure and true and beautiful and encouraging and good report and faith, I wouldn't know that. I'd just ramble all over the place. That's why the word is so important. That's why I might, if I can think I've got one right here. You see that thing right there? How many of you got one of them? Get you, get you that thing. I review that twice every day of my life. I can, I can put it behind my back, quote every one of them, and tell you every scripture on there. I still review it every day. You know why? I review it ongoing because the battle is ongoing. And especially that black side right there, he will wear your head out over who you are. You're not what your past says. You're not what your lineage says. You're not what you did. You're who God says you are. 
And you got to get this in your head, but meditate that till it gets down in your heart. And that's why we need to keep that truth before us. The Bible said, I'll keep your truth before my eyes at all times. Number two, the dullest pencil is better than the sharpest mind. So I'll remember to do that, write it down. I have a, my buddy works with me here, Phil C. He's famous for his cards. I, any, I guarantee you right now, you can go up to him. Any given time, he pulls out his billfold and three or four colored cards will fall out. He's got these scripture cards stuck all over him and he pulls them out and he's got today's scriptures on there and he just keeps them with him all the time just to meditate. And he is an ordained, trained, graduated from Bible school minister. What's he doing it with, doing it for? Dear ones, the dullest pencil is better than the sharpest mind. Adrian Rogers taught me that year ago. years ago. Write it down and keep it with you. And I keep stuff like that with me all the time just to, just to pull it out. Number three, you need to be aggressive with your head. You need to, ah, get back over. You need to be aggressive with your thinking. Let me tell you why. Your enemy's aggressive and you need to match him. That's why the Bible said, gird up. There was, this, is, <laughs> this ain't a good ship lollipop. This is a battle. And there's a fierce battle. And when you catch yourself in an intense battle in your head, you need to hunker down and say, we are not going there right now. You don't need to be nice to your enemy. He wants to kill you and he hates your family. You need to war with him. Number four, the power of music on the mind. Listen to me for just a second. The power of music on the mind and the heart. Music is meditation. Music is meditation. And when you listen to music, you're meditating on whatever truth that thing's putting out there. The words and the melody and the beat are opening your soul to what's coming to you. God created us that way because he created music. Guess who stole the music in our generation? He was the worship leader in heaven, many scholars teach. And he has mastered using music to hurt people. And leading us into meditation through music. And uh, you'd be surprised. Just they say, well, no harm. I'm just playing it. It's getting down inside your soul. Now, <clears throat> let me tell you something. It's the enemy's great tool. It's the spirit's great tool also. That's why we got the greatest music ever being written today. We got more ways to listen to it. Now, dear, let me ask you. Could you spend all day long you're working and, and you, you spend all day long, you, live, you spend all your time, you listen. He stopped loving her today. They put a wreath upon his door. <laughs> All day, and then you go, wife, your wife says, you sure are depressed today. I wonder where that came from. <laughs> I woke up this morning. As soon as my eyes came open, out of my mouth was coming. I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. Use music to your advantage. It is meditation. And, and I would highly encourage you. I'm not one of them. Don't listen to that evil music stuff. Why would you fill your soul with pain, agony, and garbage? Fill it with life. So, I mean, this is not that, it's not that we're anti-music. You can listen to country music if you want to. It's just, just be prepared. It's your head. It's your heart. And uh, add, just, yeah, go and listen to it. Add a little beer to it and just get totally depressed. What do you think? <laughs> listen to stuff that edifies you. All right, number five. I got to get ugly for just a minute, but this is going to help you. Prayer cannot replace meditation. Prayer has its place. It cannot replace meditation. Counseling cannot replace personal meditation. 
Now, let me tell you what I mean. Somebody comes up to me and they're just so upset. They're so bothered and life is terrible. And that fool I'm married to. And it's just, and it's just, and I said, well, it is just, and I said, well, let me, it is just. Your problem is not your problem. Your problem is not Ralph the idiot. I know what I'm talking about here. Your problem is that you have been dwelling on it for 24 plus hours and your soul is severely depressed. Pray for me. Listen, my prayers can't help you. Counseling can't help you. You have to turn your head around. To change your life, you change your mind. I'm not being unkind. I'm just telling you, I'm trying to help you. I, I said, well, okay, okay, here, shut your face. Let me pray. Hold still. Be quiet. <laughs> Shh, let me pray here. Lord, I mean, what do you pray for? Kill Ralph. <laughs> I don't know. You just pray and then, and then you walk off. You're not a bit better because you're going to walk off thinking the same thing you was thinking when you come up to me. Prayer won't help and replace meditation. You've got to change your thinking. Turn your thinking around. You turn your life around by turning your head around. That was really good preaching. I don't know if y'all knew that. That's some good preaching right there. I know that offends folks, but I, I don't want to just play church religious games while I'll say your prayer, Lord, help her, help her, help her. Lord, help me. <laughs> I mean, dear ones, meditation is what charts us in the direction we're headed. And if you want to be delivered from that pain, you've got to start thinking differently. Thank you. I needed another amen there. All right, let me do one more. Number six, be especially careful when you are weary and vulnerable. This is where we get in trouble. I think people have been to church, are full of the spirit. They've been worshiping God. They're ready. But when you get tired and you're going through a hard time and you get vulnerable, our enemy is so cruel. Let's turn and look at it. Luke chapter four. He's watching you to find what the Bible calls an opportune time. Luke chapter four. I'm telling you, this is just, he shows no mercy. He's absolutely mercy. He is mad. He is enraged because he knows that Jesus is soon returning. He's going to go to hell forever. And he wants to tear up all he can before he gets there. But he'll watch you. And he knows when you're strong and you're filled with the Spirit, I guarantee you we're standing in here worshiping and praising God and the Spirit's moving. Uh, they're probably going to back off. they got enough sense to back off then. They're going to catch you when you're tired, when something's gone wrong, when you've been hurt. All right, Philippians, excuse me, Luke chapter four, this is when Jesus is being tempted. Verse 13, Luke 4, 13. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. When's an opportune time? When you're by yourself, when something's gone wrong, when you're sick, when you're tired. And boy, that's when he wants to get in that head. Is when you, it's called a vulnerable place. So wants to get in that head. Don't leave that head empty during those times. Let me give you a couple of examples. I've, I've been sick this past week, had a bad cold and a sinus infection. You just feel miserable. And it's a terrible, terrible thing to be because you feel terrible, but you're not bad enough to get any sympathy. It's just caught in the middle right there. You know what I mean? It's not, <laughs> so I saw you be all right. Get over it. Get your drink of water. You'll be all right. And uh, so I found myself at night. I couldn't sleep. I'd sleep an hour or two and then wake up. My head's hurting. You're just miserable and you lay in there. Boy, I've, I know this stuff. I've learned my lesson. I'm not about to lay there with an empty head. I'm not going to lay there and just... 
because I'm tired and I'm weary and I'm ill and that ain't a good time to leave your head empty. Listen to what the Bible said. The evil spirit goes out of a man, goes through waterless places, comes back and finds the house empty. Don't let him find your head empty. So I've learned when that happens to me, I'll just roll over on the back and roll over and put my hands behind my head and I'll just, in my mind, I'll just start thinking, I will bless the Lord who has forgiven all my iniquities healed all my diseases, redeemed my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies and satisfies my mouth with good things. And I'll just go through that. And if you, if you don't know, if you, if you can just need, just memorize one. I just want to praise God that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Praise God for those green pastures he makes. That's called meditation. It's when you're filling your mind with something good so that there's no room for the enemy to get in there. I've, we've said it a thousand times. I'm going to say it again. You don't get air out of a glass by sucking on it. Like a fool, get a ring on your face. That's not how you do it. <laughs> you fill it with water. The water of the word. Or just lay there. How many of you know you can sing without making a sound? The Bible said singing and making melody in your heart. Can y'all sing on the inside without with your mouth shut? Well, I have to because that woman I sleep with, I don't be waking her up in the night and stuff like that. So I can just lay there. I can just start thinking, great is thy faithfulness. Mm. Oh, God, my Father. And just sing, just singing inside of yourself there. And you got these little devils saying, I can't, I can't find nowhere to get in. And God knows he's wearing me out. I can't stand that name. Ah! <laughs> now, I'm being silly, but I'm going to tell you something. You need to fill the house. Yeah. Fill your head with truth and life and hope so that there's, and the Bible said this, give no place to your enemy. An empty head is an enemy's household. So keep your head full. And especially, I'm, I want to warn you again, when you're very tired, when, when, when you're going through a battle family-wise, or maybe you've been through strife and conflict, those are vulnerable times right there. And I guarantee he's watching and he wants to get in there at those times. It's an ongoing battle, but I'm going to tell you something. This battle can be won. Praise God, you let him bite down on the sword of the spirit a few times, get sore gums, he'll think twice about it, is what I think. This battle can be won. I want you to do something. I'm going to quit right here. I want you to do something. I want you to believe the Bible. I've shown you in Scripture tonight there's a battle and it takes place between your ears. I want you to believe it. Number two, I want you to begin to practice what you heard tonight. Begin to practice it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to do this thing. Let me tell you what will happen. You'll have so much fun and the blessing of your mind starting to clear up and your heart starting to get out of that depressed, miserable mode, and you'll, you'll have so much fun and be so blessed doing this, it'll be a competition. You, you'll just, it'll be the discipline to do it once you see, praise God, I didn't have to be like that. I thought that was normal. That wasn't normal, that was abnormal. We want to live normal the way the Bible said we're supposed to. Why do you think the Bible says things like overcomers and conquerors and more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us? All right, let's all sing just a few more weary days. God have mercy. I think that was written by the devil himself, just a few more weary days. I got news for him. Jesus comes back, he's going to have a lot of weary days to deal with for eternity like that. I'm going to make his days weary while I'm here. There is a battle, but I'm going to tell you something. You don't need to fear it. You need to win it. You just need to get in the ballgame. Don't need to tell you my story about a fixed fight one more time. No, we're done. I'm over. I told you I was raised in Charlotte where the park center had wrestling and I had a buddy and, and then I found out that it was, it, was, it was rough, but it was a fixed fight. You, you don't mind getting bruised up a little bit when you know you're going to win. Brother Brian, I'm afraid I might not do it right. Listen to me. 
you got somebody in your corner. And I mean the hounds of hell are scared spitless to even hear his name mentioned. There is no tug of war between Jesus and the hounds of hell, I promise you. What happened every time Jesus walked up? They ran like scalded dogs. They still do. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows, including theirs. And the deal is, if you'll just fight, you'll win. It's fixed. I mean, it's a fixed fight. You just get in the ball game and you'll win it every time. And it's so much fun. All right, I do want to tell you, I do, I do want to tell you one fighting story that's fun. I probably told this one too, but I'm 62 years old. Give me a break. I was a little to my age. I got beat up bad when I was a kid. I was really raised in a rough neighborhood in Charlotte. Life was sort of rough. I got sent off to reform school when I was 12 years old. I needed reforming. I was a bad youngin. So I went to reform school and they sent me to reform. Here's how they reform people. They put them in a, a barracks with a bunch of other little criminals. <laughs> Let them share information. <laughs> so we was reforming each other. And not only that, I took off and grew about three foot, about 13 years old, 14 years. I took off and grew about three. I, mean, I just went through, I'm almost tall at 14 as I am now. And then they teach you martial arts. <laughs> now we got a bunch of growing criminals learning martial arts. This is looking good, isn't it? I finally got released from reform school and came back to my neighborhood. I was a head taller than everybody else. I'd mastered martial arts and won tournaments. I whooped everybody's butt in the neighborhood. I mean, I cleaned the house up. You saw it wasn't very Christ-like. It was fun, though. It was a lot of fun. When you realize those unholy defeated foes don't have to wear your head out anymore, hold on to this verse right here. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. You need to hang on to that. All right, Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you. We've had a good time looking in your word tonight. Your word says, if God be for us, who can be against us? I thank you that your word says you've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. I praise you and thank you. Just It's like the father is in the corner saying, come on, boy, wear his head out. Whoop him, boy, whoop him. And we give you the praise and glory and honor that we have a Father who loves us, has given us the armor and the tools necessary. You've given us the eternal word that is truth forever. It's our job to put it on. And I want to praise you and thank you. Thank you for every person. As we begin to experiment with our heads and begin to cause our minds to get back over here, become disciplined and keep it in those parameters and begin to think on things that are true and inspiring and honorable Lord Jesus, and pure and beautiful and encouraging and virtuous and praiseworthy and excellent. Get that head up there. Thank you for what happens in our hearts when we begin to meditate right and the joy that comes. Thank you for every person that's here tonight. Thank you for the victory that Christ won at the cross for eternity that's being enforced by his word on this earth. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.